Hello, hello. I'd like to welcome you to episode 10 of Spheres of Influence. We are the podcast that talks about the important spheres of our lives, politics, religion, and culture. Hi, I am your host, Dennis Sanders. I hope that you will consider uh, giving us a good rating um, on whatever podcast platform you are listening to, and also a good review. That helps us to become more visible and um, hopefully get the message of this podcast out to a larger audience. Today's episode is talking about a question that has always probably been in the back of my mind, and that is, is America a good nation? Uh, this article stems, this podcast stems from two articles written by Jonah Goldberg um, from The Dispatch, and I thought I'd want to share some of my own opinions on that um, This in this episode. Um, before I go really far into um, the episode, I want to actually begin with a personal story. So I want you to go back to 1983. That was a pretty big year. Um, it was a year of um, kind of big movies, such as, um, of course, now I'm... I'm War Games, and of course, uh, the uh, the Return of the Jedi, um, kind of concluding the first chapter of the Star Wars saga. Um, also, some very important movies came, or other uh, te television events. That was the end of MASH. Um, that was also the airing of the, the day after. Um, movie talking about a nuclear attack of the United States. Um, during that year, I was a freshman, and I was a freshman at a high school in Michigan, and I um, tried out for the cross-country team and got on the cross-country team. Uh, I should also let you know, though, I am not, I was not a great runner. In fact, I was truly, truly terrible. But I ran because it was fun, and I met some good people on that team. So anyway, I was running in a cross-country meet, um, and this took place in the town of, of Swartz Creek. Um, it's a, kind of a bedroom community outside of my hometown of Flint. We were running on a golf course, and um, I was bringing up the rear, as usual. All of a sudden, I heard this these voices, and... So like I said, I was running on a golf course, and this neighborhood kind of abut the golf course, and these kids were standing basically in a cul-de-sac that kind of ended at, at the course. And as I ran, I started to realize that these kids were yelling to me, and unfortunately, it didn't take too long for me to hear what they were saying. They were saying the N-word at me. Um, they made some very racist comments about me liking watermelon. This was shocking to me, but 
I kept running. What else could I do? But there was someone else listening to those taunts. Actually, there were a lot of someone else's. But there was a senior um, who was on the team who was also African-American. And I could see him running very swiftly in the direction of those taunting teens. And what I later learned is that he basically stared them down until they were so ashamed of themselves that they left. And as I finished that race, um, many of the parents of the other runners were asking if I was okay, and they expressed anger at the audacity of these teens. I think that this was one of the first times that someone had blatantly called me the N-word. The thing was, it was shocking. And obviously it still has had an effect on me nearly 40 years later. I can't say that I was traumatized. That's kind of the, the thing that we talk about these days. But I can, as I said earlier, I can't forget the experience. And the thing about that is that it really put truth to the words that my my parents would say. You know, my parents were, my dad um, grew up in Louisiana, my mother from Puerto Rico. They reminded me and always wanted to talk about all the progress, the good things that had happened in the civil rights movement. But they also told me that racism was still a problem. I mean, even though life was far better for me than it was for my dad who grew up in Jim Crow, Louisiana, hatred because of someone's color, the color of their skin was still present. And I'm, I'm really thankful for my parents and somehow telling me that while they were extremely proud of this country, while they, they believed in this country, they were also willing to talk about the dark spots, the times that were not um, good, and to remember those. What they taught me was to look at America honestly, that you can still love this country, but also be honest about where it has fallen short. And I have carried that with me all of these years. I love this nation. I like to always say that one of the proudest things that I have is my passport, um, that I can carry that wherever I go around the world, and it says that I am a U.S. citizen, and that that is one of the proudest things that I can say. America isn't perfect. In fact, it is far from perfect. Um, like I said, we still have problems. And I think as a whole, African-Americans have always had this complex relationship with America. I think in many ways, historically, we have been deeply patriotic to this nation. And yet we've also been well aware what this nation has done. We are well aware that it hasn't always lived up to its values and we have been willing to call our nation on it. There is a quote that um, I always found fascinating from James Baldwin, the um, African-American writer. 
Um, he was someone that was always critical of the United States because of the racism that took place. But he also had a deep love for the country of his birth. He has, has said, I love America more than any other country in the world. And for exactly this reason, I insist on the right to criticize her perpetually. And I think about people um, like Langston Hughes, who is an African-American poet. Um, and he also could be incredibly critical of America, but he was also willing to be hopeful and believed in what this country stood for. And so he says in his, um, his poem, Let America Be America Again, he says this actually in the second to the last um, stanza of it. And, and throughout it, he is very critical of this nation. But he says this because that even though he is critical, he has hope. And he says the following. Oh, yes, I say it plain. America was never America to me. And yet, I swear this oath, America will be. Historically, we have believed that even though America had fallen short, we believed in the goodness of this country, that it could live up to its values ultimately. And we had hope in that. But I wonder if we are losing that hope. This podcast actually comes from, as I said, something that was written by uh, Jonah Goldberg. And he tells the story of a recent meeting. It was a meeting between um, Chinese and American diplomats in Alaska. This was kind of the first meeting of the for the Biden administration with the Chinese. And the Chinese decided to make this a uh, time when they would go and uh, kind of shame us. They came out with this report from one of their agencies, the State Council Information Office, um, which basically is a propaganda arm. And Report after report, the, one of their diplomats talked about um, basically all the problems that the U.S. faces, uh, all of the human rights violations. And in fact, it leads with the opening quote, I can't breathe, which are one of the final words of George Floyd. Um, and so he talks a lot about the 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 report and also this diplomat talk about systemic racial discrimination, um, talking about um, guns and white nationalism and all of this stuff is basically he's saying that we don't have any right to complain about what's going on, especially with the Uyghurs in China, um, who very many people basically say have been um, subjected to a genocide. And um, Goldberg is 
upset about that, but he's he's also bothered by the response um, from um, Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State. He wasn't really able to give a forceful um, retort. He basically said um, that we never claim to be perfect, but we confront our problems openly. That is true. There is um, nothing uh, wrong with that. In fact, it's what he um, has said, and I can actually now, I'm just looking for the, for the words, so that we make mistakes, we have reversals, we take steps back. But we've done throughout our history is to confront these challenges openly, publicly, transparently, not trying to ignore them, not trying to pretend they don't exist, not trying to sweep them under a rug. Goldberg thinks that there is some merit to it, what he said. However, that China is trying to say that our failures are so deep and so profound that we have no right to or standing to condemn what China has done. Now, I think that Goldberg is a little too willing to kind of say that we no longer have as many racial problems. And, and he is true. But obviously, there are still major issues. I am recording this from Minneapolis. This is where I've lived uh, now for about 25 years. And just down the road from me is where the trial of Derek Chauvin is taking place. And he is the former Minneapolis police that um, is uh, responsible for kind of the death of George Floyd, who was an African-American. Um, so, you know, you can't really say that this is something that is over and done. However, where I do agree with Goldberg is you can't compare that to what China has done. China has, has basically, as I said, created genocide among the Chinese leaders, trying to strip them of their, of their faith, uh, which is Islam, doing many things to try to basically erase them. For years, for the last maybe half century, they've been doing basically ethnic cleansing in um, Tibet, making sure that the Tibetan culture doesn't really exist, and making sure that the Chinese Han, the, the main group, um, that culture shines through. America has done things wrong. And I think, personally, I think Blinken was right to say that. However, what he needed to do is come back at China and hit them hard. And he didn't do that. He should have said that, yes, we do have made mistakes. But how dare you try to say that we don't have any standing? We don't have any standing we have not committed genocide over people. We have not uh, tried to ethnically cleanse people. That is what China is doing now. Not 
what they did 50 years ago. And we're not talking about what America did uh, 50 or 100 years ago. And yes, they did do some bad things. If you talk to Native Americans, they would say it was someone like genocide. But that isn't who we are now. And we have tried to be a better nation and a better people. And Blinken should have been stronger in his response. So the question is, why didn't he? And this is where Goldberg goes and believes that it was because he was afraid of how the base of the Democratic Party would respond. That the progressive base, which tends to not look at America in very positive ways, um, are don't really give Blinken the standing to say proudly who we are because these people are not proud of being Americans. So the question is, how do you, what do you do with all of that? What do you do, especially if you're a person of color and you are aware of who we are as a nation, both the good and the bad, and how do you express that? And how do you express that in front of world leaders? And how do you do it in a way that shows that at least compared to a country that is committing genocide, we are doing better and we can't be compared even in the same zip code of what China has done. Is America a good nation? That's the kind of the question I began with. I think that there are a lot of people these days, you know, especially if you talk to things like Black Lives Matter, some people within Black Lives Matter, obviously someone like a Colin Kaepernick, and, and I do not want to put all of them down. I think they're also doing some very good things when it comes to police brutality. But None of them talk about America in the same way that I think a Baldwin or a Hughes did. They were incredibly um, critical of their of their nation, but they also loved their nation. And in fact, you could say that their criticism came be- from their love of this country. And um, when I listen to some more modern people in and not all African-Americans, but especially those that um, maybe consider themselves woke, there isn't that same pride in America. America is viewed as a very racist nation. Um, You know, it's one thing to say that there is such a thing as systemic racism. It's another thing to say that we that racism is basically endemic to who we are. I mean, but that has kind of become part of our culture. I mean, I think the 1619 Project uh, by the New York Times, you know, I think it does a good thing in trying to talk about the importance of slavery in the role of American history. Where I think it falls disastrously short is that it basically says that history, that slavery is what is at the center of this nation. 
by placing the founding of America in 1619 and not 1776, it's saying that basically our whole being as a nation is because of slavery. And that's a bridge too far. It's one thing to say that we are, we have done wrong and committed sin as a nation. It's another thing to basically say that we were basically created in sin. I think that America is a better place than many people want to admit. This year, of course, in 2021, we are commemorating the centennial of the Tulsa um, race massacre when white citizens in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, battled uh, black citizens and uh, what has been called the, the Greenwood area of Tulsa, sometimes called Black Wall Street, was basically torched and destroyed. And one can look at that and say, this is yet another example of who we are. We're, no be- we're not any better than the Chinese. We don't have any right to tell the Chinese anything. Or we can look at that See it as part of our history. Don't minimize it. Don't ignore it. Be honest about it. But also acknowledge that in many ways we aren't that nation anymore. We have moved forward. We are better than that. There is a way, and I think sometimes especially among the center-right and in my tribe, there is a, a, a way to kind of minimize some of the more darker periods in American history. Or to say that those are problems in our past, they don't reflect our present. Well, I would say they still do, but we're working on them. Unfortunately, we still have some issues revolving around race that we still have to deal with. But as I always like to say, I'd rather live now as a black man than living as my dad did in the from his birth in the 19 late 20s up to the early 50s when Jim Crow was the rule. And he will tell you, he would have tell, told you as he drove when he moved to Michigan to find work, he still encountered racism. My life is better. It's not perfect. There is still issues. But thankfully, we aren't that nation anymore. And I think we can and are a force for good in the world. We have to believe that we are a force of good, because if we can't believe that, then who will stand up for those who are in need? We have work to do as a nation, but you can't put us in the same boat as China. And we need to be, we need to be able to, in our country, to be able to not just criticize, to be able to, baby, to criticize 
and love our nation. These are not things that should be split up. You shouldn't just criticize and not like the nation, and you shouldn't love the nation and ignore all the dark spots. There should be a way that you can love and deeply love your country, and yet urge it to do better. Urge, call it to account. As I said earlier, it's been now 40 years since that incident in Michigan happened. I, like I said, remember it. I don't know if I would say that it is traumatic, but you can't forget something like that. But I also know that America is a pretty good country. It is a country that believes in equality, that believes in freedom. They believed in those words that were printed in those documents, in the Declaration of Independence, in the Constitution. Even though the men who wrote them were incredibly, incredibly, incredibly imperfect, many owning slaves themselves, they believed in something. And they believed that America could be this place that was a shining city on a hill. And I believe America can be a shining city on a hill. I believe it is a shining city on a hill. In an imperfect world, an imperfect nation tries to do the best that it can to be an example and also to call to account those nations that don't respect liberty or equality. America is pretty good. It is not great. It is not the always the best country, but it's a good country. And good is good enough for me. And I hope it's good enough for you as well. Well, thank you for uh, joining me on this 10th episode of uh, Spheres of Influence. As we have discussed patriotism, um, what I would say basically is an honest patriotism. I'd like to know what you think. Um, is Do you think that America is a force for good in the world? If it is, how? If it's not, how can it be better? Feel free to send me an email um, by going to denmen at gmail.com. That's D-E-N as in den, den in a room or uh, a house or an M-I-N-N, which is a abbreviation for Minnesota. Denmen is all one word at gmail.com. Again, if you are able to rate um, and review uh, it, um, the this episode or, an, or the podcast in general, please do so. Um, it would love to uh, get some um, 
response, and it also helps us uh, to get the word out about this podcast to more people. That's it for this week. Um, an upcoming episode, I, we will be doing um, an episode on post-religious America. And what does that mean? Um, what does that bode for our future as a nation? So I hope to, um, and also um, hope to talk a little bit more about um, black pride and anti-racism. Um, how, in some ways, anti-racism might be hurting um Black pride, people pride in, in who they are um, by how it frames things. So those are some episodes that I'm going to be uh, talking about. If you know of an episode or know of someone that I could interview for a future episode, um, please let me know. That's it for this episode. I will talk to you again soon. Take care. Godspeed. <music>